0: Hi, I'm Chris, and welcome to this week's episode of To Be Published, a podcast that provides organizational leaders with the tools to integrate and synchronize sustainment and to generate a relative advantage in combat power. As always, the views and opinions expressed on this show do not reflect the official policy or position of the United States Army, the Training and Doctrine Command, or the Combined Arms Center. Our guest today is Major M.J. Jackson. He's currently serving as the 2nd Infantry Division, DeVardi S-4, and recently published an article for Field Artillery Magazine entitled, Black on Ammo, Green on Forecasting. Ammunition lessons learned from a Devardi in a Division Warfighter Exercise. Today, we'll really be talking about how you integrate fires and the sustainment warfighting function. We'll talk about CSRs, rsrs or controlled supply rates and required supply rates and we'll talk a little bit about data visualization uh, got a great conversation coming up with mj and so uh, without regard mj welcome to the show
1: thank you thank you i'm glad to be here very appreciative of this opportunity to be able to uh, tell my story and have a little dialogue thanks
0: so getting to your article uh, in your opening line, you pose a, a pretty, uh, contrary question. You say, what if black on ammo actually means you're accomplishing the mission? And so when we refer to black on ammo, we usually mean, uh, at risk of mission failure or under 50% in terms of a supply commodity. But it seems like you're saying that that's actually a good thing. You're doing your job. Uh. And so it's pretty contrary to the today's thinking and the thinking of the last 20 years. Now, what made you kind of come to that conclusion?
1: Uh, yes, sir. So um, I think it is a, a few different things. Um, I think it depends on uh, the phase of the operation uh, is one determination. Um, and then it's also just kind of understanding the the, the, the environment around you and, and how you operate and, uh, so, so typically, uh, most sustainers we always want to kind of I, I say uh, I use the word hoard. We also we always want to have a, a replenishment of ammunition on hand. And what I've learned is, uh in a DeVardy is we learned ammunition at um, a few different levels. Uh, we know we know how much ammo is on hand from a field artillery perspective. Meaning the unit over here that we deal with is is two ten. So we know the on hand quantity. We know how much ammunition that um, the division has and then we also know how much ammunition is at the theater sustainment stock so we have the luxury of knowing all the ammunition on the peninsula which is uh, a little bit unusual for for most people to be able to understand that uh, that perspective so to but it allowed us and allowed us to be able to provide a uh, certain visibility to our commander so he can understand how to tell ta- how to target and use long-range ammunition so essentially um the first phase the first usually through the first phase of the operation um we want to kind of have more ammo because we have a lot more things we have to do throughout the operation and sometimes we don't know when the replenishment is but for this uh, iteration of the the warfighter that we went through we were further along in the phase so with that understanding of the operational binder, understanding that you know we were in a uh, phase two uh, of the operation going into phase three we essentially were a little bit different than being in other phases like phase one we did a cpx we were starting off so we're farther along so us knowing that we were further along and having that perspective of being able to buy to our, our devarty commander and him to the division commander allowed us to have a, a different thought process of okay we have this much amount of ammunition we know at some point in time these days we're going to go black but there's nothing we can do about that but the point that we're at right now We want to use all the ammunition we have to kill the enemy because we are so far along within the, the, the phase of the operation. And there's nothing else after this. So th- what point do we need to conserve ammunition if we're at the end state where we are? So if we don't have any ammunition and we know that we're gonna go black at some point in time, we can provide an information to our DeVardi commander. He can thus provide it to division commander, say, hey, sir, we know we're gonna go black, but at this point in time, we're trying to kill the enemy. So what? why do we need to do a, a, a CSR when we're at the point right now where we are to to kill the enemy essentially, so that's the thought process we had. But behind it, versus trying to conserve ammunition, we knew we were at a point that we did not need to conserve because we were at the point that the end state in phase operation of phase two, going into phase three, um, then phase four stability. So further along than what we would usually be in, um, in in a, in a different thought process because phase one essentially you would more than likely do something like a CSR because it's different.
0: And so you know one of those. Uh, general rules of planning for artillery, um, well, for all planning, right, is never leave artillery in reserve. You want to employ all of your artillery forces because we, uh, in the United States Army, uh, use fires to help shape for maneuver, uh, whereas it's a little bit different in, in for example, some of our uh, competitors, uh, where like the Russians for example use artillery or they use maneuver to shape for artillery and destroy with fires we do it the other way around so why in keeping with that moniker i think what you're saying is don't leave ammunition in reserve use it to kill the enemy and shape the fight
1: sorry you're you're spot on exactly right and knowing that perspective what you just said right there you can also use different iterations. What I didn't know coming into this as, a, as an S-4 about the different variations of ammunition that you can use to still uh, basically achieve some of the same effects. You might need to get closer. And that's what I learned from uh, some of the field artillery, the operation guys here. Hey, so you know we're starting off essentially you know with the long range ammunition of the Mike 30s because Mike 30s are reaching the furthest. So we're starting off with those. But at some point in time, if we we're running out, you know, essentially of the of, of the Mike 30s, then we might have to transition uh, to another type of ammunition to maybe achieve the same effect. But we might have to get closer. So that's what we kind of laid out. Is that hey we're starting off with this this round of ammunition the Mike 30s. And at some point, okay, we're like, hey, we are running out of this ammunition. What can we do? Okay, well, we have Mike 26, I would choose, but to us to use the Mike 26, I would choose, we have to get, we have to position ourselves to get a little bit closer so we can be in range. So me understanding that perspective, what the, the ammunition or fuel artillery guys taught me was like, okay, so if we run out of this ammunition, we can essentially use a different kind of variation and achieve that same effect. So like you're saying, sir, like, you know, essentially use everything in reserve. So we don't have any more of this one. Okay, we're gonna move on to this ammunition. And when we don't have any more of this one, we'll move on to this. So we have multiple variations and our, the warrior commander has an understanding of everything around him. People be able to discuss and tell him, hey, this, sir, this is what's good, this is what's gonna work uh, to be able to give him the best target effects to be able to achieve the mission. So he can tell the, the commander, hey, sir, this is what we need to do to ultimately achieve the end state.
0: And so it sounds like, number one, it sounds like you've got a, a pretty good uh, working climate there uh, in your organization. Uh, but number two, it, it, it reminds me kind of of the field grade competencies and the key skills uh, and attributes where we as field grades are expected uh, to be masters in our craft, in our warfighting function as a sustainer, right? You're a master. Uh, of your sustainment warfighting function, but also uh, to be at least expert or proficient in the other warfighting functions. Uh, So our job as field grades, right, is to integrate across warfighting functions. And it sounds like you've really done a great job of that, where you've got and gained an in-depth understanding of the fire's warfighting function, which allows you to provide your commander options to gain a relative advantage. That's kind of bragging on you a little bit, but
1: <laughs> I got just said pre- no, I appreciate that I, and I've, I've actually learned a whole lot like um in in the field artillery I, I'm very appreciative of every everybody around me they're very um, very precise. I would say that about the the field artillery we very precise and very accurate in what they do, which you have to be for you know some dealing with uh, long range artillery and field artillery in general
0: Well yeah, so that makes sense. Let's talk a little bit about the Divardi um, because division artillery organizations uh, have recently kind of reemerged after about a 20 year, 25 year break. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the Divardi, what its role is, um, and its mission to support the division fight?
1: So, yes, sir. So, um, like I said, so it's, I guess it's an old concept coming back into a new concept. So, uh, the Divardi which is uh, division artillery, um, is it provides a long-range precision fire support capability to the commander. And essentially, it helps, coordinates, integrates, and it synchronizes, employs fires to achieve the, the, the division commander's objectives. So all these things together in conjunction with what they do ultimately help set the conditions uh, for what the other combat arm guys are gonna essentially do and help out with the end state for what the mission is, sir.
0: So what's your role then as the uh DeVardi S4?
1: Yeah, so so my role is um essentially given that um given that that's the, the I guess the skill set, sustainment skill set in what we do as far as is really more so centered around uh, i would say the ammunition perspective so given the finite details of the calculations of hey how are we are how are we are we, are we black are we good with ammunition as far as how we what we're able to do to provide uh, and coordinate with division uh the sustainment brigade and um and basically uh 210, 210 fires so we're essentially like the, the coordinator the, the coordinators we we have the, the luxury of being within, in the mix of uh, multiple different people, but we provide the coordination to be able to, to give them the right uh, information they need so they can do the things they do. Because the the, 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 the person that's shooting it is coming down from uh, 210 fires here, here at, um, at Camp at Korea, and they're up at Casey. But they're essentially the ones that's shooting it. But they're requesting it. Our job is to kind of do the analyzation of it do the analyzation, make sure we have enough, do the coordination with divisions of the stand brigade and make sure that we achieve those effects. And that's why we have the targeting guys and the operations guys to, to kind of look out and do that so they don't have to do that because they're more concerned with just the actual shooting itself. Sir, So a lot of
0: that uh, kind of really comes down to forecasting, which I think is the, the nexus of your article. Um, and you talk about calculating the required supply rate or RSR. Uh, so first of all, you know, when, when you talk about doing that coordination and, and synchronization, you're, you're really looking uh, kind of days ahead. The fires guys up at 210 are probably looking at, what do I have on hand right now? And you're looking at, what are they going to need in 72 hours? Um, can you tell me a little bit about uh, what is the RSR, or required supply rate? And how do you calculate it?
1: So so RSR, so I guess I'm I'm gonna kinda of go a little off script. So there yeah. is a there is a there is a formula out there and it's actually found in uh ATP uh four-three five. Um and it has a it has a, a formula in there. The formula that the ATP uh 4-35 has in there for RSR is uh the weapon density, uh time expenditure rate, uh time of days of supply uh, to actually give you the RSR. So we kind of wanted to, you know, again, kind of um, going off script a little bit. We went, we kind of wanted to test that out a little bit. So they're actually going through some revisions. So uh, what me and my cell did for this next iteration that we had, this exercise we had um, after Warfighter was to kind of see if that 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 RSR worked. And um, uh, my comments back to them was this is something that probably needs to be updated is in terms of either the formula for it because I don't think it's, it's necessarily accurate because we use um it's a combination of uh, multiple ways different people use rsr and i say that because 210 is the one that essentially comes up with the rsr we kind of come we, we look at the rsr and then we try to make recommendations or suggestions if they should change it based off of what the what the volume of fire is or what they actually shoot in if, if we say hey there's an adjustment you might need but your volume of fire the rate that you're shooting at is kind of high right now maybe we should adjust. <laughs> The RSR to be a little bit higher um, because over time it might fluctuate and you're gonna you're gonna use more ammunition. So based off that concept, you know the RSR, the formula that they're describing for that the 4-35 does doesn't necessarily work, and it doesn't and, and, and it definitely does not give you um, a, a phased-in RSR which is more so what I talk about in my article. I say, hey, you know, RSR is more of a phase type of, it should be more of a phase type of operation. It can't be essentially a straight line. The way that the, the books, and it gives it to you right now, is set up to be a straight line. If you do a straight line RSR, it doesn't make sense because different, different phases of the operation, you're going to use more ammunition, you're going to use less ammunition. So that straight line, it throws everything off. So, uh, yeah, for me, it, it doesn't work, and I've, I've recommended to other people that to said, "Hey, you know, how does a straight line work if you know for a fact that every phase of the operation you're doing something different? Like for phase one, we're starting off. We're using more of, say, Mike 30 because we're not within range of you, you know, the enemy. So, how are we going to use the same that same range when we start getting closer and we're not using that much? So that ne- doesn't necessarily work. So." We have devised um, uh, a spreadsheet essentially that kind of tells us, you know, and it's dealing with different numbers and whatnot to give us, to kind of shoot us out of the RSR, but it changes over time, starting off with, hey, phase one, the RSR is going to be higher for, for the Mike 30s. And maybe phase two a little bit higher, and it kind of dips down for phase three because we we're transitioning into uh, the Mike 26 altitude because we we're a little bit closer. So we have kind of devised Excel spreadsheet formula to kind of help us out, and we were trying to work through and actually be able to pin out something on paper. Um, but it would, it wasn't necessarily as uh, as nice and presentable as I wanted to. But <laughs> the recommendation that I did make um recently to um the schoolhouse was that the that the, the formula that they, that they currently have in there right now since they're taking recommendations the current the current formula they have for atp 4 35 should be re-looked at revised and adjusted and it, at the minimum it should work off uh, a phase type operation versus just having a number in there and having a baseline and just saying that this is going to work Throughout the, the entire operation, because we know over over different operations over time and over years that that, that, that hasn't worked. You know, if you use a phase line, if you use a a, um, a straight line, you're never gonna you're never gonna get accuracy because you know different offer, different phases. You're gonna do different sets of ammunition, and it's gonna fluctuate. Um, so that's why my recommendation was kind of sitting around that. Sorry if I didn't give you a exact formula. No uh, pointed pointed number that you that you want. I've tried to kind of come up with that, but the best we have is, is some Excel products that we've that we've kind of came up with to to help us out throughout our process.
0: Well, and so that kind of takes it into the next area. So I'm a huge proponent of data literacy uh, and data visualization, using data that we have uh, to simplify, right? We turn data into information, information into knowledge, right? Knowledge into understanding. Um, and in your article, you use some pretty, really simple graphs to depict that RSR over time, which ordinarily, at least here in the schoolhouse, we depict it. uh, when we say the RSR, we'll put a little table, uh, a straight line RSR into the op order and move on. Um, whereas your, uh, again, pretty simple charts, um, allow the commander to visualize what you're talking about much better than just, you know, a chart full of some numbers. Uh, So can you tell me a little bit more about how you organize that data and and how did you help your commander visualize that RSR and what it meant?
1: Yes, sir. So I give a shout out to my, my team right here. So this is my, uh, my, I have a, I have a Lieutenant who's an Excel guru. So he's, He's very good, like you said, with the data analytics. So he's helped out a lot great, with, uh, greatly with the, the numbering and, and trying to help us visualize this. So essentially what we did was is in the article, it talks about, again, I talk about the Mike 30s, Mike 27s. And what we want to do is kind of show over time, like, you know, what, what would be the difference if you, if you kind of, if you went off a, a phase operation versus a, um, a straight line? And if you uh if if you kind if you if you can think or, or visualize how we looked at it, we took some of the numbers. I didn't want to use exact numbers because obviously it's exercise, but for the most part you get the concept that over time, based off of uh the 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 like you take mic 30s, um we broke it down by phases, phase one, phase two, phase three, and essentially you can see um based off the we kind of broke it down by colors and saying hey here are the numbers putting the numbers in there in the in the excel spreadsheet these are the numbers that we're shooting over time for the mic 30s and if you actually use those numbers of what's actually going on and what actually happened we had a we had a one bar chart on there showing okay this is what actually happened this is realistically over time over the phase operation what happened so you can see hey this is you know, what really happened, real scenario. Then we took a, what a straight line would, what, what would be a straight line. Hey, this is what, What here's, here's what the book gave us for the formula for a straight line if we use RSR. Okay, we use this, this is a straight line RSR. Then we took our calculations of what we use um, in the, the data analytics for Excel spreadsheet we use over time with actual numbers. And, and you can see that our numbers were, Within, uh, I think, uh, less than three percent of accuracy of being what the actual uh, numbers that we actually use. So, using the numbers that we actually use and the formula that we computed within the Excel, we were able to provide a, our commander a pretty good visualization of Hey, sir, this is this is where we actually yeah like we're this is what they're actually shooting. Here's our forecast that we actually use, and you can see where we were within three percent. Less than 3% accuracy of being spot on of what we actually shot versus if we had used the straight line uh, throughout each operation. So that helped him understand that, hey, you know, like we're pretty close, we're pretty accurate. And he's able to confidently go to, you know, the division commander and essentially say, hey, I know how much ammunition I have. I know when I'm going to go black on ammunition. And I know, you know, at what day I'm going to go black, like pretty accurate, you know, to the T. To, to the almost within the hour and then we were also able to, 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 to secondly provide uh, a synopsis basically showing that if you use you know the straight line process um and and, and not did our process you could essentially lose days and in, in the real world you know this could cause this could cost lives and soldiers so soldiers being on the road at unnecessary times because it's gonna you could you would essentially would have needed to re be uh replenish with ammunition a lot sooner versus how we showed it versus what it actually 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 happened. So we we're able to kind of create another scenario saying, hey, hey, this is what actually is gonna happen based off the forecasting that that we that we set, you're gonna need to be replenished a day or two sooner than what the forecast is actually saying based off a straight line. And, that, and again, to me that's big, that's huge because in the real world, you know, the whole forecast and then being accurate in the forecast, it saves lives because now you're saying, okay, we don't need to put this on the road right now. We can get it, we can we need to have it, we need to have it there sooner because if we wait another day. They're not gonna have the ammunition they need to be be able to go forth and complete their mission. So to me, that was a big that was a big deal to be able to say, Hey, we we we've now you know affected, you know, all the other sustainers and everything else around us to be accurate. Essentially, to be able to affect the rest of the mission, because we we performed and determined the accuracy that they need to be replenished a little bit sooner than than essentially waiting, because that might hurt the rest of the mission. So I think the whole the data analytics perspective and being able to kind of visualize it on a on a graph um, for everybody else to actually see it helped everybody else to understand. Okay, a, a actual a phased uh, a, a RSR can work a whole lot better than a straight line RSR for different types of variations of ammunition and it overall helps the the entire mission because everybody can actually see what's going on and say, okay, this makes sense we can't use a straight line because we can essentially hurt people or or affect the mission to to not be significant and in and, in and, and, and complete its end
0: state yeah and then so I mean that really ultimately provides essential nuance right to the, to the equation helping you shape and weight the main efforts uh to provide a relative advantage uh, for our forces and the maneuver forces as they engage in close combat we've gone through quite a bit of the article uh and and your experiences at the DeVarte. Uh any final thoughts that you'd like to to add to the conversation
1: i mean we just had another exercise and um I'm trying to. I'm in the process of actually uh, um, writing another uh, article. Essentially, it's it's more so internal, but I think it could be useful um, to to sustainers and to other organizations as well. So this one is centered around. So we went through a uh, uh, um, a command post training exercise and. Uh, basically, for this exercise, it was uh, we focused more on the y- the the one five five. We went through. We still did a R star and the, and, the, and everything that we do would normally do for um, an exercise. But for this exercise, we kind of wanted to, uh, to focus more on the short range ammunition. So, and understanding more of how we do that. So, we had some other people. We were we were we were lucky enough to get some uh, some uh, some. I guess, that additional power within our our little sustainment cell that we have. And right now I have a, it's really just myself. I have a lieutenant who's a, he's transitioned to be a finance officer, but he's very skilled and he's a he's formerly a, he's a, 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 a field artillery officer. So we got some 13 Bravos that were able to actually help us. And through having them with us, uh, we centered in on the, the 155 uh, Mike Mike's and uh in doing that, what we found out was that um everyone does not understand or everybody does not see uh the one five five mic mic is like uh that we all see it here uh i guess it's in field artillery and that can uh that can greatly affect and and shape different things. I say this because um in trying to get ammunition, it was a misunderstanding. And get in the the one five five mic mic because um, everybody did not understand what a complete round a complete round yeah. ammunition one five five was and I didn't I didn't I didn't either I'll be honest. So whenever I think of ammunition, as most people I think normally think of, we say okay one five five one five five. Okay, I just I just need the ammunition. I need the ammunition. Roger, Dad, we need the ammunition. But for one five five mic mic to work, you have to have everything to make a complete round. And I say everything, you have to have the projectile round plus the fuse plus the charge propellant plus the primer. If you don't have all, you know, of those components, you're not shooting with that round. So essentially what we had was we had some iterations where we had units that said, hey, we're ready to, you know, we're ready to shoot whenever something comes up. And then as we went through and started looking at some of the, doing our analysis through the 155, we found out that they didn't have the fuses and charges. So when we heads, we're like, how are you shooting? You don't have, you have projectile rounds, yes, but you don't have fuses and charges. And they're like, okay, we're like, well, you can't shoot. You don't have everything to make the, all the components of the round for 155, so you can't shoot the round. So in our determ- in discussions, this is multiple discussions with other sustainers as well. We had to go through the Stardex ammunition. We come to find out that the Stardex data didn't have, you know, the fuse and the charges programmed in there. So then we had to do some emergency um, replenishments to get the fuse and charges um, within the Stardex data. And then we still didn't get enough in there to be able to help us through a, a certain iteration. Like if we wanted to go out like 20 days, we only had like a number to help us go out to, uh, 72 or 96 hours. So to me, that was huge. I'm like, man, how do we miss this? Like, this is something a lot of fill out too. They naturally know this, but for sustainers, you know, we don't naturally think about. Oh yeah, I need the fuse. I need the charge. I need the prime, I need the, I need all these components to make up. And you have to have all these within. You have to request all these. You can't just say, hey, give me one five five. No, you have to request each one of these. The projectiles. And then, oh by the way. There's a certain number of charges you can use for every one of these. So there's, you know, some 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 uh, some uh, some items use three charges, four charges. So that's another thing. So what we did was we created another Excel spreadsheet that basically calculated what a complete round was. So it basically did everything for you. So you say, okay, well I want this uh this this type of projectile round in there for one five five. And it basically computes all the fuse, charge, the primers that you would actually need to go with that that projectile round. So it made stuff a little bit easier. But for everybody else, whenever we requested ammunition, they they understood, uh, Sustainable Brigade, that, hey, we don't just need the projectile round. We need all these other components, the fuse and charges, to go with it. And we need this these number of fuse and chargers to make it accurate for us to have this 155 as a complete round. So that was huge, helping us to... Have a great understanding and discussion with other sustainers and some of the other combat Arms guys to make sure everybody's on the same page about what we needed for 155 to actually make us, you know, make it work. Otherwise, we're just sitting ducks. We couldn't even shoot. You know, we can't even, we, we can't shoot anything. We're just sitting there with like, oh yeah, we have the projectile around. We can't do anything with it though. So I thought that was a pretty significant um thing to kind of kind of get across. And um, so that's why I kind of turned it to it's more of an informational paper. To kind of say, hey, this is information I think is useful um, to, to the larger systemic community, more more so internal, but something that everybody else can have a good value and use to, to understand that, you know, 155 consists of, you know, all four of these components and not just the projector around itself.
0: Yeah, no, that's a huge point. Uh, and it doesn't, it doesn't come that way from the national level, right? So when things come into theater, they come in individually. And somebody's got to put that together. Um, into an ammunition package to move forward because you don't want to ship all projectiles and all uh, propellant charges. You want to generally ship rounds together to the forward line.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
0: Yeah, no, that's a, a huge thing. And again, that goes back to uh, understanding um, all the competencies of a field-grade officer. So you can't, just, you can't just be a master in your warfighting function. You've got to be an expert, or at least proficient, in all the others, uh, really, in order to integrate, synchronize, to generate a relative advantage of combat power. So I think that was a pretty good conversation we had there with MJ, uh, and gave us a lot to think about. You know, not only how do we uh, integrate and synchronize the warfighting functions, uh, but how do we determine ammunition requirements, and not only in a divardi, but also across a BCT. Uh, in a a traditional division, uh, throughout all the types of ammunition that we could need, uh, and then at a theater, corps, or field army, and those levels as we come up with some new doctrine in the ATP uh, 491, 492, and 493 series. So thanks again, MJ, for joining us, and uh, you all keep sustaining out there.